The following program is brought to you by the 511 Media Group. This program is available on iTunes, Spotify, the 511 Media Group YouTube channel, and 511mediagroup.com. Welcome back to the Play It Loud podcast. I'm Rich. I'm Ryan. I'm Bree. Today, we have a special, very, very special episode for you, and um, it was actually all put together uh, by Bree, and super thankful for both of you. I do take major Both of you ladies. Super thankful. (laughs) Um, If anybody doesn't know, if they haven't even looked at the title of the episode yet, (laughs) this is who it is. Today is Dorothy Day. Dorothy Day. Don't play cyclone, baby. So tell us how it all came we about. have Dorothy on the podcast today. Honestly, I don't know why it happened. I was thinking about your podcast on my way to the gym, as one does. Um, my deepest thoughts come from car rides, honestly. And I was like, you know, it'd be so dope if I got somebody who's still kind of on the rise. And I thought of Dorothy. And I was like, I'm going to message her on Instagram. And got straight rejected, said her DMs were closed. And I'm like, okay. And in her bio, it has... Um, her PR agent's email, and so I took a I took a chance, and I was like, I'm gonna send this message to her PR agent and see what happens. And she responded almost instantaneously. Like I was still in the gym when I got her response, and I freaked out. I was mm. like, Oh my god! And then I couldn't keep it a secret from you anymore because not. I was like, I have no idea what this information is that she wants from me. So I, I messaged you, and I was like, Hey, I did this thing, and I have this person. You're like I was trying to surprise you, right. but because I was like, Wouldn't it be so funny if I was like, Hey guys, you know who wants to be interviewed with you guys? Like. Dorothy, and you're gonna be like, what? The, what? How? Wait, how did you yeah. do that? Yeah, uh, that, so was that was the goal, awesome. but it didn't work out. And of quite course, that I way. was trying to play it off cool, like, yeah, I'll just, I'll email the, I'll email the PR person. I, I honestly, she was very persistent too. Like, right. I appreciated so, that. So, from my end, and I, normally you're like, yeah, yeah, sure. They probably say that to everybody, sure. right? So then, it was a couple days. Like, I was busy or whatever, and we were both busy. And she's like, "Hey, did you email her yet?" And I said, "No, this, yeah. I'll do it later today when I get back to the office or whatever." Well, her PR person, Jenna, beat me to it. Reached she's out. Like, yeah, she's like, "Cause I think you just yeah, sent we her had my been info. on the phone call earlier right. that day, and she had sent it literally not even in like an hour later." Right, and she's like, "Hey, could you send me this information? And here's all the things that I'm looking for." Now, you know, we're twelve episodes into this thing, and or 11 episodes into this thing would be the 12th, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, you know, I was like, she's really asking me, like, okay, this is real. Like, I, I, yeah. just, I just thought it was like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, blow off. Right. I, I just thought, you know, it'd be, she's, she's kind of doing the thing that she does with everybody's request. Like, we'll entertain it, but, you know, it's probably going to put on a shelf somewhere or whatever. Because right. Dorothy's like this huge superstar. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. And, uh, so I emailed her what she was looking for, and I said, look, I don't have a lot of the stuff that you're asking for. It's fairly new, but we'd love to have her. And a few email exchanges later, she's like, what works for you? What day? And I literally... You text me or text probably I sent both a, of us. Well, yeah. you, I, I copied you guys on the yeah. email that I sent to her, which I thought was pretty professional, yeah. and gave a lot of information I to her. I almost beat myself, I'm not going to lie. When she was like, let's do it, I was like... I'm and sorry, I what? so I, yeah. I'm texting you both, and I'm like, I hey, guess who's going to be on the guess who's going to be on the podcast? And I was messaging Adam. I was like, Hey, like, guess who might potentially be on my dad's podcast? Like, uh, you know, and 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 do an interview. And he's like, Oh, that's so cool. Like, even if it doesn't happen, that's so cool that you even got an opportunity to like 
try right, to do that. Right. No, it was it and was by the time surreal. he even responded, she had confirmed the date. And I was like, This is insane. You're like, This is where this is happening. I was pumped as soon as as soon as we were talking about because we just did the women's um podcast. Well, women in rock. Right. Yeah. Women in and women in rock. By the way, as I told her in the in the interview, yeah, thanks a I lot. Had her three and you had her four, but there was a good reason for it. I never yeah. said why you were four. I just told her why I. I could have told you your top two without even knowing. <laughs> right. I'm we, a well, fake fan. By the way, we listen. had the same top two, <laughs> same top two, and she respected. So who that. did you put? Who did you put above? Flyleaf. Oh, okay. Lacey Stern. Okay, I can accept that, but I still think. But they have a lot in common if you think about it. Lacey came from she just a spiritual background, and now she's had this episode and 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 this journey, and she's coming from a spiritual, you know, higher power um, point of view in some of her songs. And so, I mean, it's a lot of artists are like that. Yes, from the Holy Ghost. Evanescence is kind of like that, and um, and. I don't know about Lizzie Hale, but I mean, she has been doing a lot of collaborations, and I would be shocked if she's not one of the people she references in the interview. I'd yeah. be shocked. I, yeah. I that's who I assumed, and I wanted to ask. She but seems almost like her fairy rock mother. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask her that, but then we had to leave. So I was like, you know, I'm going to. So get instead this of doing the first three, we're just going to play some songs. Uh, we asked her if we could do it. They, she said, "Absolutely, no problem." Um, my favorite song, which I told her in the interview, um, is "A Beautiful Life." So, and also her favorite song? Yes. She did say it. Yeah. She said it in another interview as well. Like, it's been pretty consistently her favorite song. Yeah, I um, love this song. And so we, I asked her what it was about. And, you know, if it, it's pretty well known. She's said it in several interviews that um, she thought about taking her own life. And this song kind of was born out of that experience. Yeah. What's your favorite song, man? Ugh. So I I like to go back to the first album. Yes, the first album. Yes, uh, of course. To me, to me that was, to, and I told her I said you know that that album makes me really feel like I'm gonna go get in trouble. It's like a windows down, speeding through the back roads kind of album. Raise a little hell specifically. I'm just like this is the one where you just I just turn it up. Let's turn it up and listen to the uh, chorus. Just I was to, yeah. For a second here. Okay, yeah. So we did talk to her about that lyric. Yeah. Don't I let swear the demons on my get life, you down. I will get it tattooed on my body. If she writes it. <laughs> I swear on my soul, I will get it tattooed. That was pretty awesome. Go ahead. We Just go ahead and add that to the email when you're talking to her. Or I when will. you, when you have will. her out. Yeah. Uh, two things. Yeah. One was you said that this album, straight anthems. Yeah, it is. This I, album, I agree. I, I mean, you've got this song, Big Guns, Top of the World, Hurricane, um, I would even Gifts say, of the Holy Ghost is yeah, Gifts of the Holy Ghost is pretty cool. It's a really good one. I like that one and probably Top of the World. I've only listened to this album through probably twice. Other than the this. Black Sheep and, right. and right. Rest in Peace right. a thousand times. Right. But, yeah, and yeah. Rest in Peace was how I originally heard about it. I mean, her, Big I was Guns, like, you know. it comes out after this, you know, after this song, it's number two track, and she comes out just Wailing. belting it out. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this is going to be a banger. And my thing is, is you know perfectly well that I'm very particular when it comes to my women artists. You would, I would almost say particular. that you, your view of female artists isn't 
the isn't the best. It's very You're critical. very, very critical it's of very them. Critical. Why? And you like Where's very few of them. It's it's from the way that rock was. And when it's, I, I don't was think it has anything to do it. with women itself. No. I just think that it's the it's the sound. If they don't match the sound and the way that I think that rock should be represented, it pitchy. messes with. I think they get okay. pitchy sometimes. Well, and she also said on this interview that she cleaned up these vocals on this album. I mean, polished them. Yeah, and Chris I Lord Algy, Chris Lord Algy produced it, mixed it, and. He did. She said he did a great job. I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll hear it. This right. album yeah. by far is completely different. Like if you took the first album and merged it with a little bit of the second album, just a little flavor, yeah, and blasted it, that's the third album. Yeah, like it's everything I liked in the first album, but very much personified, very much louder, and it's exactly what I love in music. Uh, like Lizzie Hale, you know, they have their slow songs, they have their more country esque songs, but at the end of the day, like Hailstorm rocks. Yeah, and they're going down that path, and that I want nothing more for that to happen. Nothing more. Nothing more. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're gonna. I think so. Again, I know where they're gonna get into. Everybody's gonna get into this uh, interview, but with her, she's with Rock Nation, and um, they're they're gonna be blowing up. Like they yep. are already in a couple of Top of the World. That song is on one of the. Uh, I think it's MLB. 2K or no, that's NBA 2K, uh, but it's an MLB. Which is interesting. Right. And so now, I mean, having that sort of big machine behind you to help market is just going Plus to. Plus Octane and she just won move top everywhere. 10 songs on the music right. billboards charts. I Heart, like, I Heart Radio. Yeah. Uh, they featured her well, y- yesterday. So this is coming out yeah. April 14th, but that would have been the 27th of yeah. March. Um, she was at the uh, I Heart Radio Awards. Um and so we're going to do our happy hour and no better song on Dorothy's playlist than Whiskey River. Let's go. Pour some whiskey. So I brought Tell me about today, this one. Oak and Eden. Oak and Eden in bottle finished. It's a wheat and spire bourbon whiskey finished on French oak spirals. It's fired French oak. And there's actually 90- something in it. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Hold on. Oh, now I see it. There's a yeah. spiral. There's a spire oak. in it. So they actually put it in it. Can't lose the flavor if it's already no. in there. No. <laughs> yeah. Give this a little taste. Would you like to taste some? Not of that, no. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to work today. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, not overwhelming. Not overwhelming. Good. Taste We're sniffing smells, it. Smells a little young. Smells young. Is that what you just said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Tastes really green. good. I really like that. You know I me. I've not tasted that before. But it's no. I had not. It's first time. We always do first time. For for me, it's usually well, first time. I'm looking at those <laughs> bottles. And they don't time. look very first time to me. No. No. The stuff that he brings, he's tasted it. The stuff that I bring, I've never tasted it because mm. I like to get my my reaction. It doesn't say how long it's. How old it? How long? Distilled. How old it is? Excuse okay. me. Yeah. Um, if you had some fireball, I wouldn't be able to resist that mm, bad boy. This is really good though. <laughs> Jeez, you know they're getting they're getting sued for calling it uh, whiskey, and it's not really whiskey. What is it considered? Well, they have two different two different versions of that, and people can look that up. Sure. It's it's, uh, it's all over the internet, but that's I thought really you were going to bring up the Jack Daniels case that's been going on because of the the uh, fungi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just so people are aware, we did ask Dorothy about oh, yeah. doing the happy hour. Um, 
just out of respect for her journey. Yeah. And she was like, have at it. Yeah. I don't if, care. If, so if it's what you guys do, we did we we did we did clear it. And um, I think she and, has a better relationship with And the use of all the songs, we appreciate really appreciate her her letting us do that. Um, so that was Risky Whiskey River. Um, so I think we should get into it. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's do it. Here, uh, without any further ado, here's Dorothy. Joining us today on the podcast is Dorothy. Hello. Good afternoon, everyone. How you doing? Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us today. I'm doing, I'm doing good. I went to bed at 6 a.m. We did iHeartRadio yesterday, so that was a lot of fun. I saw. You looked awesome. How Thank hot you. were you in that outfit that looked like, what, an ostrich, you said? <laughs> hot as balls. It was so hot. Like, I thought maybe we would be uh, in the shade. But no, we were, you know, we were on the Hollywood Walk of Fame at two in the afternoon after it's been raining cats and dogs, but then the sun is like beaming me in the face and I, I'm very fair skinned. I didn't put any sunscreen on, but I had this black ostrich feather bolero. I don't know what to call it. I was, there was a lot of underboob sweat happening. <laughs> and you normally, if I'm not mistaken, you normally wear a bunch of either latex or leather, right? <laughs> yeah. Why? I don't, it's beyond me. Cause because it looks it, great. It's always, it's always hot. Well, and if you've got, and if you've got the figure to do it, right? Like I'm six, five and my size, I can't pull that off, but you obviously can. So why not? Right. Sure. You could, uh, typo negative, you know, <laughs> Peter Steele, very tall, very goth. Yeah. Uh, so normally I ask the first question, but because, um, Bree, who's with lights out podcast, which we already covered, uh, pre the interview. And, um, so since, uh, she made all of this happen, I'm going to turn it over to her for the first question. Okay. So this comes with a story. So originally I first heard you on the radio because Katie Babs shouted you out because I know your friends. Um, and I love her so much, but she, uh, she was playing rest in peace, like endless when your album came out um and so i'd heard you on the radio and uh i was reading a book series at the time called zodiac academy and as i was reading was i shocked when i saw one of your songs was actually referenced in the book um which led me to actually listen to more of your music it was um quite a spicy scene if you will um and <laughs> it was uh for not the faint of heart um it was for a lap dance and she was dancing to Raise Hell. And from there, I started listening to her music very exclusively. Um, so I was wondering, have, were you aware that you are in books that are quite popular? No, I had no idea. Yeah. Wait, okay. This is news to me. Mm -hmm. It's called Zodiac Academy and there's it's a like, lap dance scene. Yep. And it's very good. Um, wow. <laughs> and uh, it's probably like book I want to say it's four or five I can't I couldn't find it I was trying to look it up last night because it had been a while since I read them and I could not find which book it was but it's a couple books in and uh it was like giving him a gift or something in the book and I was like oh my god and then I listened to the song and I was like oh my god <laughs> and it was great wow. and I took it off I love books I've never heard of this book series but now I actually have to check it out so thank yeah, you they have a Facebook page too if you're interested but uh um yeah it's a great it's a great book series um not everybody's cup of tea in the beginning but I promise it, it would have been spicier if they played the song on my knees <laughs> depending on how I mean, you put it wow well that's that's interesting I didn't know that so I do see a lot of um 
dancers on Instagram dancing to our music. You know, they'll they'll do like the pole dance in their kitchen. And I'm just always like, please don't let the pole rip out of the ceiling, please. <laughs> That's awesome. Every stripper's nightmare. Yeah. So you want to do rocks, paper, scissors for the next? No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Ryan, it's all you, bud. Well, no. So what I wanted to ask was um, the sounds that you have from first album, second album to third album, can you kind of talk about how you had, you know, where was your mind at while you were going through writing those songs? Because I, in my opinion, my, the first, the first album was very like, you know, raise a little hell, wicked ones. I, I listened to that in the car when I'm like going to go cause trouble. It's right. Like, playlist. yeah, like I'm, I, it's kind of like this punk rock or not necessarily just punk rock, but just punk and rock. And I'm, I'm ready to go. Whereas like the second album, uh, 28 days, in the valley i to me that was more of like california 70s kind of got some slide guitar in there a little hippie yeah and then and then this most recent album uh gifts from holy the holy ghost excuse me um is more like just a little bit heavier rock Mm -hmm. more anthem yeah and so i just yeah where what you know what was that transition how did you go from album to album to album and i in my opinion i think they're they're different but love love them just different and they're not i don't want to say they're not cohesive but they're just a different sound different flavor each album so if you could take us through that a little bit i hear you actually it was a challenge trying to make everything somewhat cohesive because the second album was so different um and i kind of let linda perry take the reins on that and it was it was like more of her vision and and what she saw for this this album and i was like okay you know you're linda perry I'll, i'll listen to your advice and um, and I learned a lot during that process. It was, a, it was really experimental songwriting wise. We definitely got a lot of inspiration from the sixties and seventies, which I actually grew up on. I have a, or I had a lot of those vinyl records. I got rid of them. They're so oh, heavy no. to, to carry around, um, when you're moving and stuff, but I had a huge vinyl record collection that my stepdad left behind and, um, had a lot of folk and, uh, you know, classic rock and all that stuff in there. Um, so so that was the, you know, that was kind of the detour that we took on that. And then, and then the third album came around and I was like, I really liked the first album, but I want to do it a little more elevated and like less garagey, less distortion on the vocals. So I really got kind of anal about the vocals and I co-produced my vocals. I'd sit there with Joseph and comp everything. Uh, I was, I was very, you know, just, I knew what I wanted. Uh, I knew I could do better. I knew that I wanted my vocals to come out more um, and to have more power in them. And we changed the microphone we used. I mean, I sat and comped everything with him. You know, I asked Chris Lord Algae to mix everything. Um, and so I wanted to make more of a mainstream rock record. And then just because of life and, and my journey and things I've gone through and things the world was experiencing, it just happened to be much more um, positive and inspiring you know, uh, I wasn't like as drunk and heartbroken as the first record, <laughs> which time and place, like there's a season for everything, you know, and I went through that and then I was like, okay, but I wanted to write things with more substance and, uh, and then, you know, and then I saw this miracle where this guy overdoses on my bus and dies and then we prayed for him and he came back. Um, and that changed me, you know, that, that made me one, I was like, God is real. There's nothing you can say to me to change my mind because the night before that I was like, Hey, dude, if you're real, please reveal yourself. And then that happened. And I'm like, all right, noted. So then I went into the next record with this 
miraculous experience that I had witnessed as a changed person. And I was like, I've got to tell people about this and I have to write about um, this and inspire people because of all the COVID stuff we went through, you know? And I was like, I want to make music that gives people hope, but you know, you can still have overdrive and heavy guitars and, and, and good, uh, good rock radio songs. And that's what we really aimed for. And Scott Stevens helped me a lot with that too. What was it like working with a guy like Chris Lord Algae? I mean, he's done, he's worked with so many bands, so many high profile bands. I mean, he did Nickelback's Feed the Machine, right? And to me, that's one of my favorite albums by them. Um, uh, they're, they're one of my favorite bands. I've seen them so many (laughs) times. Uh, it's almost ridiculous, but you know, he works with, now I'm going to do a deep dive. Now I have to go listen to that album on repeat and just like go back and do a deep dive. So uh, here's what I would suggest. Go listen to the album and then access TV, AXS TV has Nickelback at Red Rocks with the feed the machine tour. And the sound on that is amazing. Um, but the feed the feed the machine album I think got back to their uh, silver side up sort of roots that they uh, started out with uh, their, that's the third album back in 20, uh, 2001 or two thousand two thousand and one two thousand and one <laughs> um, and that was one of my favorite albums but it was so heavy right and so it mm-hmm. probably took him a long time to mix that one because they're pretty particular. What was the process for you working with a guy like that that's so well-respected in the industry? He's super cool. I mean, he really kind of saved this album. Um, We brought him on as, you know, executive producer, and he added so much good stuff to it. And um, I don't think this album would have happened without Chris Lord Uh, I've hung out with him in the studio a few times. I mean, he's got the best stories. I mean, he knows everybody. He's been around, you know. and I really just trusted him to deliver an amazing mix. And he took extra special care mixing my vocals. Um, so I was like really, really just grateful that he believed in us and, and wanted to be on board for this project. He's super cool. I mean, I can't say enough good things about the guy. And he's, and he's humble too. And look, look at his track record. It's just undeniable. So From your yeah, fir- he, he pretty much saved, he saved this album. Awesome. Uh, from your first album to your third album. How long did it take to make the first one, the second one, and the third one as far as the time that you put into it, the time recording? Did you find as it did you find as you went on each album that it got longer to produce the album or you were so refined and focused on what you were doing it actually took a shorter amount of time as you went on? It took a much shorter amount of time um as I've gone through my journey, I've learned to let, you know, go of dysfunction and dysfunctional situations and really focus. And so, honestly, the first two albums took way too long. Um, and, and, and that could have been my fault, you know. I, I'll take accountability. Um, but then I kind of was like, all right, I'm making the third album. What do I want it to sound like? I want it to be just more baldy. <laughs> And I want to get it done. And so I I was in between management from the second album to the third album. Now I'm with 10th Street. And they're like, we fully support you. Go make music. Like, go do your thing. Anything you need, we're here for you. And so I'm like, you know, reaching out to all my friends, Trev Lucather, Keith Wallen, Scott Stevens, and the Four Horsemen, you know, Chris Lord Algae, uh, um, everybody that, you know, Jason Hook, everybody that collaborated on this album and so I kind of bounced around to LA and Tennessee and Vegas and 
was collecting songs, I would sit down. I love one-on-one with, with another guitar player or with a producer when they have a riff or something, or my band and I, I you know, at soundcheck messing around, we'll sometimes lightning will strike and we'll capture it. And that's how Gifts from the Holy Ghost was written on tour during soundcheck. Um, so it was just kind of like this, this, this very uh, well-paced grind of writing the songs and then figuring out who's going to produce the album and what it's going to sound like and just tweaking it till it got, till it got right. In a, in a previous interview, you said that A Beautiful Life was one of your favorite songs on the album. Does that still hold mm-hmm. true? It's Personally, it's my favorite song on the album. Actually, I think it's it's my favorite song that you've sung so far. I, and you and, and, and Jason wrote it, correct? Yeah. And yeah, it's, it I is my it. by far my favorite song that you've ever done. Uh, still your favorite, or is it just one of your favorites? It's kind of like all you like your kids, right? But is it one of your favorites? Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely like probably one of my favorites. And my favorite lyrics are "Don't let the demons get you down" because it's like my life motto. And you have that on a shirt, right? Am I wrong? You have that on a shirt somewhere. I should. I should put it on a coffee mug or something. Honestly, if I meet you, I will have you write it, and I will get it tattooed on my body. (laughs) No doubt. It's the only way I can bypass the parental tattoo alarms. (laughs) Gotta work on my handwriting. She's actually she's actually got one with lyrics from uh, a Nothing More song, "Fade In, Fade Out." Oh, did, and they wrote it for you? Well, she had me write it, and then she oh. got it tattooed. So, yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. awesome. Um, so, I'm curious. So, I, outside of this in my life, am a mental health counselor. So, I see that not only in your bio, but just the way you talk. Um, your journey is kind of something that is very special to you, and it's evident through your music. Um, so, I was wondering, as somebody who helps others, um, what would you say to people who are struggling, whether it's mental health, addiction, um, you know, grief, loss, what would you say to people to keep going? Because it's not an easy journey. Um, so what keeps you going and what would you say to other people who are going through that? I would say that as cliche as it sounds, that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I would say that self-care and and being accountable for yourself and how you respond, doing the work, doing the therapy, you know, finding what works for you, getting the help and support and, and not being ashamed and not isolating uh, and reaching out and getting help. All that is, is very much a good thing and you should definitely do it. But for me, the world is a really scary place without faith and God. So for me, all that's great. And we have a role to play in that. But then because of the things I've seen, I know that there's something bigger. And so that, knowing that that's there and having that faith, like if I didn't have God in my life, I would have killed myself a long time ago. I probably would have taken myself out. There's just, you know, but, but when you have faith in something and you know that you have a purpose and you trust that journey and that purpose, you'll see that, like, I didn't go through this. It wasn't all for nothing. It's not in vain. Like, there's something that's going to be made good out of this pain. There's a purpose for it. So, um, and sometimes you get stuck in going, why? This was so unfair. Why did that person rape me? Why was I assaulted? Why did I, you know, date that narcissist that I thought loved me who just left and shattered my whole world? You know, and you wonder why. But instead of getting stuck in why, I've learned to just pray and trust God. And it seriously makes all the difference in my life. And then all these blessings come. And I'm like, 
I get to share this with people. This is amazing. This is why I'm here. It gives me a sense of purpose, right? So, I mean, that's, that's what has worked for me. Everyone's journey is different. I'm not here to like, it's not about religion. I'm not here to cram anything down anyone's throat. It's just like, I have to share my story authentically of what I've seen and what I've been through because it could quite possibly save someone else's life. Right. You found your purpose and your job is to share that with others. Totally understand. Yeah. It's a great uh, message. No, I, 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 I appreciate you sharing that with us. I think that's awesome. It's always interesting. We had uh, Jake uh, Segura on here from Citizen Soldier, uh, another mental health professional, singer as well, and he talked about how he was able to talk to fans and, and write lyrics and, and um, songs about what a lot of people have been going through. It's, I mean, it's wild. Um, one of the things I had a question regarding was your Rock Nation. How you decided to, did you have a calling to go to them to get signed with a big label versus going independent? Kind of, can you talk us through how you decided in coming to terms with, with getting signed there? Well, somehow the doors opened and I walked through them. Like, <laughs> I just think it was part of the journey and it was meant to happen. Like the, the doors opened, I walked through them and then I was like, well, they're offering me a deal. And we're going to take this money and we're going to make a record and hire a band and, you know, get in the studio and really do this. Like, so for me, it was like, it's now or never, you know, I don't need to sit around and, and try to like wait for a, cause there was no bidding war. I was a new artist. Nobody had ever heard of us. Nobody had ever heard of me. I hadn't played like any shows. I hadn't played any shows. I just had written some songs. I, I think we had after midnight and we shot the video totally in the gorilla style. Um, and then the president at the time was Jay Brown, who manages Rihanna, and was like, hey, I think Rihanna would love this song. And um, so it, initially it was like, we're going to write for her. And um, then we start, you know, but then the producer loved Black Sabbath <laughs> and was our first guitar player officially. So it kind of turned into, this is a rock band now, because this is what I've always wanted to do. And they were like, okay, like, you're a dope artist. We want to find you. So... Mm. That's how that happened. I don't know. Honestly, the door opened and I was like, I think it's now or never. I kind of have to just take this opportunity and be grateful and go. So did, had they had not heard anything that you had really sang or was it just because of your writing and they said, you know what? She's a good writer. You know, maybe we heard a few songs that she's done on the side. And then they said, yeah, we'll sign her. She's good. Yeah, we had a bunch of demos. We had After Midnight and we had shot the video, but we hadn't released it. So we played the video for, for him and he's like, oh, I get it we're signing you like oh, it's, wow. a, it's a cool run, garage rock rock and roll blues band we're signing you let's go so um initially it was like here's a publishing deal would you like to write for our artists and then uh it turned into oh this is a this is a band this is cool like female fronted rock band well let's go with this so that's kind of how it happened one of the things that i noticed in all of your songs from your first album to your third album is you went from more of like a produced video background like a standard typical uh rock video to now they're more like in warehouses or elevators or you were mentioning in one previous interview that i was watching um you're into uh muay thai and you got into like yeah. your your center ring and, and you're doing one of your interviews from there is it is it more comfortable for you because you kind of changed your style from your first album to even just what you're wearing and your personality and you just kind of went with hey this is who i am by the third album is that part of that change as well this is more of who you are versus what someone else yeah. wanted you to be well okay 
first album is definitely me, right? With no money, like no budget whatsoever. Mm. Everything was so DIY. Um, so, but then, you know, as we got into the third album, we we started elevating like the music videos and, and with that we get to play with fashion and wardrobe and hair and makeup it's still me I just think it's like the glam rock version of me like the one that goes on stage whoever she is <laughs> she like the glam rock goth chick you know that's who I get to be now and I, I really like Nick Peterson he and I work well together and you know I, I love working with Linda Strawberry um, so we got these three videos that that kind of I felt really captured stupid the brand if you will you know so what is the next what's the next album for you are you recording it now or what's the plan for the next what's the next step oh it's so good okay it's basically we're just keeping the momentum going with like rest in peace and black sheep um Scott Stevens and I are are going to dig into it this summer We've already written the first single, I feel like. It's called Prey On Me. It's so powerful. Um, it's, it's so good. I think I'm ready to move on after Black Sheep and release it. I hope. I, I hope everyone's on board with me. Um, no, you know what? Fuck that. We're releasing it. It's such a good song. <laughs> Is it a P-R-E-Y um, or P-R-A-Y? It's P-R-E-Y. Prey On Me. Got it. Uh, and I'm sure you can get the sense of what it's about. Yep. But it, 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 it's powerfully written and... Scott nailed that one, hit it out of the park, and then we're just going to get together. I would love to release that, you know, after the Black Sheep just entered into the top 10 on Billboard. So I think we're going to peak at some point. And then for me, rest in peace, Black Sheep, and then this song is like a killer, like a triple threat trifecta of, of rock. So well, I, you're I just celebrating one year, right, of Gifts from the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And March 31st, this is going to come out the 14th of April, so this will already happen. But you've got a big event on the 31st. Why don't you tell everybody about that? So exciting. We uh, sold out the Troubadour. We have a special guest. I can't say who it is or I'll get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> we, but uh, it's sold out, so I, I'm telling people, like, hey, man, if you can sneak in, like, God bless, because you don't want to miss it. But um, – yeah, and then we're doing some radio shows in the spring, and I just feel like it's time. You know, I thought maybe we'd get two years out of this album, but I don't want to wait anymore. I want I want to really start the next one, and 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 I have some really awesome collaborations coming out with other people too, so I'm excited about that. That's what I was curious about because you thus far don't have, as far as I know, any collaborations of your own on your own albums, but you have worked with other people. Um, yes, so yeah. There's nothing on on my album that I. I can think of, but um, there's a few, and I don't know if I can name them all, other than what's already out, which is that song uh, I did with Sleeping with Sirens. Um, there's a there's one coming out. I don't want to say who it is with another female in rock who's awesome, and we're actually looking to shoot a video for that. And then there's uh, two collaborations, and then there's a possible third one. So a lot of people have been reaching out. Um, and I'm just kind of blown away and honestly really humbled and grateful that they want me to sing on their songs. I'm very happy about it. Mm. So we did recently, Ryan and I did a, uh, a podcast uh, that by the time people are listening and watching this will have already been released. Um, we celebrated women in rock um, because of March being uh, women's history February. month. What's that? February. Well, <laughs> 
Well, I'm just saying every, well, first of all, every month is Women's History Month. <laughs> right, right. Okay, let's just get that right. Okay. We, we, we celebrate women all the time in this, in, in this studio. Um, but you were on our list for whatever it's worth. And look, we're a bunch of, we're a bunch of, no, we're just a bunch of jamokes just sitting here talking to, <laughs> talking to Dorothy, which we're completely privileged to do. Yes. I was um, blown away. Honestly. But and now you're going to give him a little bit of shit for this. You were number three on my list. He had you at number four. I just want to let you know. I'm calling him out right now. What the heck? <sighs> right? Now, it, first of all, the reason I had you number three is I had to put you behind Lizzie Hale, number two, and and the queen of you know rock and roll in this era is Amy Lee. To my, I mean, I love, I love them both. I'm not even mad at it. Those women are so <laughs> spectacular. Like, I don't care. I'm just happy I made the list. Uh, but yeah, when I'm not pe- mad at that. When people say to me, who is Dorothy? I say, take Taylor Momsen from Pretty Reckless and Lizzie Hale. I was going to say Joan Jett. Taylor Momsen and a little and bit Jett. of Joan And a little yeah. bit of Joan Jett and a little bit of Carly Simon for your second album. Second album, yeah. Right? Hey, yeah. And Amy Lee, I put them it. in a blender and you get Dorothy. So, yeah, no, Joan Jett was a huge influence. And so was Jenna You can hear uh, that in your first album, too. Like, even in Race Hell, you can hear, like, little bits and pieces of, like, if you close your eyes, you'd be like, that's a that's Joan Jett, almost, right? Just be the, your, your voice inflection. I mean, I grew, I, if it wasn't for Joan Jett, I don't think I would be here with black hair and eyeliner. Like, you know, she just kicked the door wide open. And I was like a kid, and I'm like, oh, my God, she's so hot. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> And, but, but man, her songs were impeccable. They're really, really great. They're like pop rock. They're really cool. When we talk, when you talk about those songs and what you're, what you have coming up next, I know I was watching an interview and you had made mention that you would like to write all these songs and then just release them and see what the fans think. Is that, is that possible? Would you, would you actually release new songs that you haven't released on an album? Um, onto the fans when you're doing it live or is that or is that you just kind of made an off the cuff comment about how you would like to release new songs coming out for a, for a new album you mean like songs that are left over that didn't make the last yeah album? yeah so like what would come out next yeah. is that is that yeah, something I mean, you that would... happens all the time. okay yeah, no that happens all the time it's like I the b-sides I, right yeah like just because it didn't make this album it just might not fit in this body of work for this you know, it doesn't mean it's not going to come back around later and, and be like, oh, this is perfect for now, you know? Um, and that happens all the time. You never know. You can go back to old ideas and go, this is great for now. We're going to maybe change some things and rework it. I mean, I don't see why not. That you me- you mentioned a new song, Pray On Me, and you guys would be releasing that kind of in succession with Rest In Peace, Black Sheep. But what we've noticed, the trend for some artists, they're just releasing singles or EPs, right? Because in the age of streaming, that's where it's at now, right? You want you want the downloads, you want the streams. You're not necessarily worried about selling whole albums. You're touring and you're streaming. And so it makes sense to just release one song here and one song there instead of a whole album because if you're going to if you're going to stream and download 10 million, you might as well have it for one song versus put all that work into putting a whole album out. Yeah, yeah. I think while you're, I mean, I always like to do a body of work, but while you're writing, there's no harm in doing that. We're in a digital era, um, and you just you you want to keep putting music out, 
while you're working on stuff. And if it's just an EP, fine. If it's a full album, fine. If you just put out a couple singles for now, fine. You know, um, I just think as long as you put give the fans music and and make it good, like you know, like let it come from the heart. So I've got this next question written down because I want to make sure I got it got it exactly right. I, I, I put it down a couple times, so I, re- I rewrote it. So it's a little long, so bear with me. Um, so songwriters often pull from their own life experiences. As we know, you have several life experiences recently that have changed the way that you write things. Um, when they're writing a song, when I listen to songs like Flawless and Whiskey River, I get the feeling those songs um, are of personal experiences for you. Are those songs personal, first of all? And second of all, what other songs in your catalog are extremely personal to you? Those songs are very personal. I mean, they're like autobiographical. Um, and and sometimes you're writing about a subject. Like, let's say you're writing about love. I mean, it, I feel like if I don't feel inspired and it's not coming from the heart, I don't want to do it. So on that note, most songs are somewhat personal. And some are more personal than others. Like, A Beautiful Life is pretty much just like, it's vague enough to resonate with people, but it's very, it's just very much like this is my journey, this is what I've been through, but it's, it's vague enough that I think, you know, a lot of people can relate to it. So, um, and that's just the way the words came out of my mouth. I don't, I don't know. You but said, I always want to come from You a said place. a few years ago you had um, thoughts about, um, you said this in an interview, so it's, it's nothing you haven't said before, but you thought about suicide. I think you said it earlier in this interview. Um, is a beautiful life basically the the thought mm-hmm. process of what you were going through then and the end result from that experience? Yeah, I was in a I was in a pretty toxic relationship. I was relapsing a lot. I think I was on tour nine or ten months out of the year. I was exhausted, and when when I came home, um, you know, this it just it all hit me. It all came crashing down, and I I was like. I want to kill myself. And so the, the lyrics, there was a time I was willing to die. I stopped believing in myself. Heaven said it wasn't my time. We found a way for you to help was the culmination of that to all the experiences I had and going, Oh no, 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 you're not going to die yet. You have a purpose, you know, and you've overcome this chapter. So that was where it's a very short, you know, simple lyric, but it says so much about my life. And so it absolutely was. And, um, you know, I just want to say to anyone who's listening, if you're feeling suicidal, like there's a purpose and a plan for your life. And just because you don't know what it is, like life is understood at the end when you look back at everything and go, oh, that's why I I went through that. You know, it takes faith. It takes patience. And no one ever said it was going to be easy. And we don't get out of this alive. You know, everyone's going to experience pain to different degrees. Mm. I feel like I need to go to therapy with you. Um, <laughs> um, I do a noted. different kind of therapy. I do a, what I'm doing is biofeedback therapy because uh, when your brain, is, when you're suffering from something like PTSD and trauma, mm-hmm. your brain is just not able to process certain things. Um, and you have to kind of rewire it and calm everything down before you can address the thing that caused the trauma. Um, so, and it's, it's great because I'm a musician, um, and it's all about tuning and frequencies and there's science behind it. You can look into it it's mm-hmm. called biofeedback therapy. And what I've noticed is I don't react like knee jerk reaction, like 
you know, quick, fiery emotions of panic or fear or anger. It's more like I'm able to observe what's happening and go, oh, well, that was triggering, you know? So it's working for me. And um, it's definitely something to look into because it's, you know, I wish I had learned about it years ago. It is recently new. So to be fair to yourself, it is newer. It is a very well-backed, researched therapy now. Um, and it, it aims to do the things that medication does, but more direct. It's activating synapses and things in your brain. I am not going to get into the whole medical aspect of it. I'm sure you know. Um, but I, I do appreciate that you're very open about your experience because there are a lot of people who struggle and don't get help. And you see people dying and overdosing and not, you know, living on their legacy in the music industry or celebrities or whatever their legacy is. Um, and they just go too soon. Um, so along the time of getting more personal with you, um, just something I was wondering is what do you wish that people knew more about you? Honestly, I wish they knew less. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I really like cats. I think they know that though. Well, we do. We do. Do they know how skilled your makeup to your makeup talent is? Because I've watched you put on makeup and I'm like, how (laughs) you know how uh being on tour and having to do it myself I've just kind of you just kind of learn I just taught myself I watch videos I try things but it's like another art form um it's nowhere near as good as my friends who are makeup artists that are just amazing at what they do it's like it's a whole career you know talk about on tour one of the things that we've talked about in both of um uh, well, both the Women in Rock podcast, all of our review uh, of any of the concerts that we've gone to, a um, couple of the interviews that we've done, we've talked to inter, um, independent bands. So you're not really independent, but you're sort of independent. And so I'm going to ask you this question from someone who's dealing with a, a, a larger name um, recording label mm-hmm. versus an independent, but kind of gets treated like an independent, if you will. Um, when it comes to merch sales... And having to give back to the venue, 5, 10, 15, 20%, and not sharing in their liquor sales because you guys are coming to the venue and all these people are coming to see you and not sharing in, in, in those revenues. Take us through that process as far as how you feel about the industry as a whole. And is it equitable? Is it not equitable? Should there be more sharing of revenue back and forth? Should, be, should there be more transparency um, from the venues to the artists and vice versa? How do you feel about that? I mean, it would be really nice if they would give us a cut of their liquor sales, like 20%, you know. We'll trade you 20 We're bringing all these people in and they're drinking. You know, I, I think there should always be transparency. I like to, I like to operate with as much integrity as possible. Um, you know, everyone's situation is different. You have, like, shady people everywhere. And then if you're lucky, you have people in your camp with integrity. Um, a lot of it falls on the shoulders of the tour manager and the merch guy and the merch company that's not supposed to be a burden that the artist takes on. It's not. If everyone's doing their job, um, then yes, it should be, you know. For me, I took a, an advance up front from my merch company. And so that that requires recouping it. So I don't get the sales of the merch. It goes towards recouping because I took an amount up front. Um, you know, because how could you resist? <laughs> so, but but I know we're going to be touring and we're going to recoup it in merch sales. And so it's just a process of, of slowly chipping away at that advance. Um, 
everyone feels looks different. Everything looks different nowadays. Some people are doing it just fine on their own. Some people wouldn't be anywhere if it wasn't for a label completely blowing them up and, and the machine behind them. Um, you know, for us, it's been a slow and steady grind over years to get out there and, and really kind of cement ourselves. And I think it's, we're still doing that. I think it's going to be like, let's follow this up with really solid album number four. Um, and touring, we have to tour because everyone's streaming everything. So we have to tour and you get, you know, but what's great is the, the festivals and the radio shows, the big festivals, they pay well. It's great. You get to go see all your friends. You get to make a good little chunk of money and play for 30,000 people. Thank you, Danny Wimmer, you know, welcome to Rockville and all those great festivals. Those are, those are like the, those are the cherry on the Sunday of the whole year. Um, so it's, you know, the whole machine is like kind of different for everybody, but I mean, why, maybe I should get together with all the, all the bands and be like, maybe we need to start demanding a cut of the alcohol sales. Yeah. Some of the bigger guys have said that some of the artists have been like, look, we need full transparency because we're bringing in thousands and thousands of people and they're spending $12 oh, yeah. on a, on a, on a Miller and we're not getting anything from it. Right. But yet we have to pay 20% of our merch right. to the, or, you know, so much money on alcohol. So much. They are. Well, how, they have to be. I mean, how is it touring? I mean, do you love touring or is it like at the end of it, you're like, wow, uh, I can definitely I wait it. a while. I love it when we have a a nice clean bus and a good tour manager. I've had some dickhead tour managers that I literally wanted to strangle. And I'm like, why are you even doing this job? So I'm not going to say who. It's just like I've learned what works and what doesn't work. And a tour manager can make the tour hell, literal hell. I had the dingbat rolling, you know, joints in the front lounge at 8 in the morning wake and bake and then walking into the venue in his crocs and a beanie you know representing totally misrepresenting us one it's a dry tour you can't do drugs on my bus right (laughs) and you can't just get baked all day and be an idiot so you know he got fired um there's no tolerance anymore in my camp for any anything like that it's because it's going to fail if it's not sustainable if everyone's not like let's do this with a good attitude be positive and show up and be functional and not dysfunctional, it's not going to work because touring is hard enough as it is. So you're really lucky when you get a nice clean bus and a, and a great crew, which how, I have. How is it so like with the people. other bands? I, I've always wondered, like we go to a lot of concerts. Yeah. I think we've got, I don't know, 15 scheduled for this year, That's which is a lot, I mean, granted. Um, and we're seeing, I think, in the neighborhood of 28 to 30 bands this year. And so like... We're going to see you at Hogfest in Milwaukee in May, and you're going to be playing with Disturbed and Beartooth and Falling in Reverse. Do you get to know those guys behind the scenes? Do you get to build a relationship with those guys, or are you kind of all segmented off and don't really have contact? How does that work? I've always wondered that, so I figured I'd ask. Well, I think I think most of the time everyone's kind of segmented and stays in their dressing room. Um you know, but when you're like out on the road with Dirty Honey, like us, our bands are all our bandmates that are band all friends. Awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, and consistent every night, crushing mm. it. Mark sounds it. Mark, you know what? Mark threw you, and you're perfect freaking vocals. <laughs> that 
I, and I, oh, that band is that band is unbelievable. There. Anybody who hasn't heard Dirty Honey, I have a Dirty Honey T-shirt. Okay, so, so I'm into good. bands that a lot of people haven't heard of. That band is awesome. Listen, you guys got to support Dirty Honey. They, it's one, it's such a great live show. Uh, we got to tour with them. We're all friends. I mean, John is an incredible guitar player. He just melts faces. Um, dude, they rip every night. I was just like, God, you know, I'm glad I don't have to follow them. Well, do you, I, I didn't so we think I didn't think about Dirty Honey when I was when I was putting down a list and I've got it here. I've got a list of who who she sounds like, like southern rock bands. Yeah. And I had Monster Truck. I don't know if you've heard of Monster Truck, but Monster Truck and Blackstone Cherry. Like if yeah. if if she was a guy and you put her in Blackstone Cherry, it, it would work. And if you put her on Blackstone Cherry, it would completely it would work. work as well. Right. Because you've got I know you call it bluesy. I would I would argue it's southern, southern rock. rock. Yeah. I love that. I'm so down for that. I, I'm obsessed with country too. I think rock and country are sister genres. I think rock and country mixed together equals Southern rock. So it's like, I love that. And I'm totally willing to like crack that can open and really like do a song or two really committing to that vibe. Um, and Dirty Honey is insane. Like they, they're like Aerosmith and ACDC uh, and Black Crows. Like, amazing are more artists doing more mainstream artists doing the country thing because um you know like five finger death punch they they did um black and blue they did their black and blue version with a bunch of country artists and nickelback is going on tour with brentley gilbert uh, gilbert this year and so they're doing a lot of crossovers and a lot of collabs do you i mean could you see yourself That's doing cool. a couple of songs with dirty yeah. honey That'd be awesome. Um, Dirty Honey or, or any, you know, I would love to do a country collab. That totally makes sense for Nickelback. I mean, they Shaman's Harvest. That- yeah. Have you heard of Shaman's Harvest? No. They're, um, they went on they're tour. Amazing. They opened for Nickelback a few years ago. And they're they're like on Octane. Flower, actually. I know Katie Babs plays them all the time. Um, check out Shaman's Harvest. I think you'll be like, I'm hooked. They're a rock version of Dirty Honey. Yeah. Listen yeah, to, awesome. to Voices or Chains, right? Or Dangerous. Dangerous is a great song. So actually, okay. after after the pod, we'll we'll stop recording. I'll play it for you. Okay, He's dedicated. Do yeah. you do you have do you have any type of vocal regimen that you do before or the day of a concert? Are you like, listen, I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm just going to yeah. sit here and wait until the show starts. Like, what? Take us through that 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 show day. Oh my gosh! Yeah, fingers don't get to have any fun. I mean. If you're going to stay up all night drinking and talking with everybody after the show, you're going to cancel the next show. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I work out, you know, I break a sweat, I go for a jog, take a hot shower, do my warm up, um, and really limit the talking and drink tons of water and then text Lizzie Hale when I'm freaking out. <laughs> oh, so this goes back to the back to the back to back days, uh, concert days. D- is that really hard for you or is that something where you're like, you know, you get back on the bus and you're going from like Minneapolis to Chicago and you're like, oh, I know it's only six hours away, but tomorrow we got to do the same thing again. Do you change up the songs that you guys sing just so that it's yeah. not as much on your throat, on your vocals or what is it, the. It depends. It varies on every single tour. It depends how much sleep you got the night before, what the weather's like, uh, with the road bumpy, did you get woken up 12 times in the middle of the night, you know, um, and how long have you been on tour? The good, the good news is when you're in the grind, you acclimate and then it's like, it becomes muscle memory like this, but you have to be like pretty self-aware of what's my body doing, you know? Um, 
it becomes kind of like a very physically intuitive thing for we've, me. We've heard a lot of bands uh, now start to say, we don't want to have any of the lyrics that are played behind us, right? So that they assist. And because a lot of these pop artists now, and even country has some of those lyrics that, they, you know, their songs in the background assisting them and they kind of sing over. Have you ever considered like quasi yeah. lip sync sort of? So they'll they'll hit some of the oh, higher yeah. notes. Is that is that something you would consider, or is that something you're like that's not something we would ever do, or is that like what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, backing tracks. Well, I mean, there's that whole thought of did you just come push a button and play the song, and we're just listening to the recording through the speakers? Right. Um, we never we've never liked tracks. We've never used them or live auto tune. However, I think for certain songs, it's it's all right to like have samples layered in, like have you know have some like vocal pads layered in for the chorus. And I just think if it's done right, it's fine. Um, you know, as long as you can pull your weight, I guess that's that's how I see it anyway. So um, speaking of tours, um, since we're on the topic, I'm curious because I've seen you toured with a lot of big names. Um, especially Shinedown. I saw that more recently when I was creepy on your Instagram. Um, so if you had the perfect dream world where you could pick a dream tour, who would be on it and why? Oh my gosh. I'd have to think about that. Oh no. Nirvana. Like anyone with me, anyone dead or alive, dead or alive. Definitely Nirvana. Um, and by the way, we have this argument, <laughs> all the time about Foo Fighters and Nirvana. And Ryan is like, I love Foo Fighters. And I'm like, I'm not saying I don't love Foo Fighters, but I'm pissed that Nirvana's no longer around. So, me too. so Foo Fighters to yeah. me is like Nirvana light. light. And I just, I don't know. Dave Grohl's the nicest guy in the world. And I really love how he, he interacts with all the fans and everything. And I'm sure if I met him, I would watch and buy everything he ever did because he just seems like such a nice guy. But the Nirvana not being around anymore really pisses me off. I like, like Dave had something yeah. to do no, with it. I know no, I know he didn't. No. But good lord, it was so good while it lasted. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I love Nirvana. I love Foo Fighters too. But if I was gonna have to pick a tour, I would say Fleetwood Mac, Nirvana. Mm. Hopefully we could open, and hopefully we could open for them in that. Stevie Nicks. <laughs> Stevie Nicks is goddess. I mean, of course, we did our list based on like twenty twenty three, but. Back in the day, if I did a like an all-time list, Stevie Nicks would be top three. I mean, she's just so amazing. So amazing. Big inspiration for me as well, so I appreciate that. We're going to wrap things up here, So, and I know you've got, you've got a jet, and we want to talk about a couple of things after. So um, we really do appreciate your time. Thank you. Um, and and jumping on with us i know we're we're fairly we're fairly new to the game but we've 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 been doing a lot of good things and i want to just thank you for your support and and joining us and thank brie well actually she was the one that put it all thank together you. and don't thank yeah, me thank you we gotta <laughs> thank connect you. we gotta connect you guys uh on a podcast for her lights out podcast that's awesome so thank you very much for your time and stick around we're not we're not done yet but um we are for this interview thank you very much i appreciate it There isn't many songs where you hear the first lyric or the first 
part of the music and you know exactly what song it is. Yeah. Right? It just takes you to another place. This is one of those songs. I really like this song. It got so much airplay, ju- and justifiably so. Um, it was her first single. I didn't even download it and learned all of the lyrics from the radio. <laughs> That's, because of how much it, it yeah, got played. It, it got, got a played lot of space. Ton. It helps that Katie Babs is her friend. They're right. like besties. Yes. And so she played it probably until it wore out Every the play button. Every time she played, she was on air, she played it. And I was always around to listen to it. So I I was I was about but it. But it's a great song. It's right? very soulful. It's very lyric. It's powerful based on its lyrics. Not necessarily the the music behind it, if that makes sense. Well, and so I asked her before the interview, this wasn't part of the interview, but I did ask her before the interview, is this kind of like an ode to being clean and sober? You know, that past, rest in peace. And um, I know she's talked about relapsing and so forth and so on, but you have to have some type of a, um, um, a, a, a an end game, if yeah. you will. And I think rest in peace is perfect for that. She's like, look, I, I have a commitment to being this way and I've buried the past and yeah I might stumble but I'm committed to making that happen and she is I mean she's as she says she closed a chapter in her life and she's starting a new one and she's giving what she talk about somebody who's been through a lot in the last three years you know between it's a lot to juggle and just between what happened on the bus with her right uh, and the guitar technician um, which we don't really didn't get into we didn't that get a lot. Into it. It's a really well known. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot she of. She will be interviews. talking about it on our podcast, though. Yeah. She did say she was going to bring yeah. it up. So, um, for those of you who listen to the interview and don't know, Bree uh, and and Summer, her her co-host uh, on the Lights Out podcast, they do paranormal, they do true crime stories. We were talking to her before the interview and just kind of going over some things for the interview and brought that up, and she's like. I'd like to be on that podcast. She brought it up. Yeah. And she's like, I'd like to get connected and tell a couple stories, which was, I mean, you probably peed yourself when she said that. So. <laughs> I was like, me? <laughs> Moi? Me? Right? <laughs> you want to come to my podcast? <laughs> right? Okay. Not a, like I said in a couple podcasts ago, not everybody has a podcast. I no. was blushing <laughs> as soon as she came on. I was like, oh God, this is going to be a bad one. And, and you hadn't and you didn't even gone through happy hour yet. No, and you were dead. You were dead center in our video too. Yeah. So like there was no looking like watching you point. the whole yeah. time. No, I couldn't see behind the sunglasses, but I know she was watching. <laughs> That was awesome. I, that interview was very cool. And, you know, we've done a few interviews now. Um, it's probably one of the coolest things I've done in my life, to be yeah, honest. It's, for as mainstream as she is yeah. and still needs to be, I, I say that like she's gotten a lot of recognition, but I don't think she's gotten the recognition that she deserves. I think she should be up there with a Amy Lee, with a Lizzie Hale, with a Lacey Sturm, um, with a Taylor Momsen. I think I this think next she's album she's making it. is going to take off. I mean, when she said, hey, now this is the second interview where somebody's said, hey, I've got new music coming on, and they've talked about it. Um, when she said, you know, Pray On Me is going to be her next solo or, or next single, I was like, hey, that's pretty freaking cool, you know, that she's giving us that information. I, I thought it was wild that she had talked about how she had gotten signed with Rock Nation and right. how she was originally going to be out writing. Of thin air. She almost worked right. for Rihanna. Right. Well, she was just going to write she just, just, like, just write just songs. That's a big talked deal. Talked about it as if that's nothing. Yeah, like no big deal. Yeah, nothing. I'm just writing but, for yeah, the yeah, top the, female the person that I'm writing with. 
Works with Rihanna. Not a big I mean, deal. but that's that's wild. Oh, is what, that she's going to write, write the songs, and then okay, they hear her sing, and they go, "Wait a minute, like you're you're like a rock, you're good, you're a rock artist, you're like right. kind of good, right?" So they and sign kinda her, pretty, and then they just <laughs> send her out. Right, you need to go tour. Here's all the collaborations with people that well, we. Well, it's know. interesting that she had to close her DMs. That's unfortunate. It really is. But it's the reality she's got of a woman. I was just going to say in the industry. I know we didn't get into this, and I yes. really wanted to ask. Like we, we were taught, we were limited on time. Right? Is just what? What are some of the struggles that you see as a woman in this male dominated female? I'm, I'm yeah, sure right. she gets objectified quite often by male fans. And it's the thin line, right? Like it's the thin line between objectifying yourself, and I don't mean no, that in I, a bad way. I just mean like putting yourself out there and going, "This is who I am." And this is how I'm going to dress. It doesn't and help that she's absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous. I, I think if she wasn't wearing any, ma- I mean, like in our interview, she's wearing sunglasses and lipstick, right? Yeah. And she has a beanie on with, with her hair. You, I mean, you two guys mirrored each other. <laughs> right. <laughs> Except for the long hair. It was like looking in the mirror. Um, but she looked great. Yeah. Just, I'm sure she put herself together or whatever. But of course. I'm sure that if she just wakes up in the morning, she looks in the mirror and goes, eh, it's perfect. That's good. I'm good for the day. Yeah. But, you know, she probably has to put on makeup for videos, and she's doing several podcasts. And she does it all by herself, which is still crazy to me. That because is Because I've seen her makeup looks, and they're, like, pretty but top she, tier. The one thing I did want to bring up, and I didn't get a chance to ask her, and maybe we can ask her when we see her in in May, hopefully, fingers crossed, fingers right, crossed. Um, is how she looks so very different, though, from some pictures to... Very, like, hippie. Like, when she's on tour... She's got a certain look. When she's on doing podcasts, she's got another look, and then she can get all glammed up, and she looks completely different. I think she I mean, did say that, though. I mean, if we look at pictures from the past, right? She mm-hmm. said even that first album was garage band rock, right? Like the budget they had just no wasn't money. there, right? right? And so now it it's her. It's almost glam rock. Like she is has the opportunity. She's who she wants to be exactly. On exactly. Stage. The other thing I was going to ask her, and and. Um, I didn't want to take time away from your questions was, even though I did probably talk too much, uh, was do you have a say in your merch? But I, I thought it was more important for her to kind of explain how sh- how her merch works yeah. than to interrupt her and say, hey, you know, are, are you involved? Because I'm sure she is, but to what degree? Right. right. It's interesting when we talk to ind- proud of it. independent bands and how they struggled to sell merch. And she's like, yeah, I took it up front and they're yeah. going to sell it. And that's just the way it is. And who wouldn't take that money? But you're making music. You have all these expenses, and they're going on tour. And like she said, she's going to make it back when but she goes go, on tour. Like she said, you go to one festival, and they pay pretty well. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I want to And again, time crunch, obviously. But I wanted to know which that she preferred. Is it festival because everyone's there, and that's kind of the energy? Or is it a small venue where you get to – and I don't know. Is small venue you have better energy, or is it just – more of a relaxed kind of intimate crowd. I don't. I don't know. Knowing Everyone's got different. Just like this is my counselor perspective. Yeah, knowing shoot. from how she presents herself and the way she talks, I feel like she likes the intimacy. Like obviously, she loves festivals, the vibe, the energy, as I'm sure most artists do. But mm-hmm. it's not as intimate, and you don't even get to know the bands as well either. Right. Like I was you don't surprised build by those that. Relationships. I'm honestly not that surprised. I know you'll probably see them walking around. Sure. But you don't have time to sit and have like a cocktail or you know have a full length conversation because you got shit to do before your show and when you perform and then when you get off the stage. Yeah. One of the questions I didn't ask the other interviewees that we've had or the other interviewees, I guess that's the right way. Um, 
is do you get to talk to the other bands? And so when I asked her that, I was very surprised by your answer. Like, we're all kind of segmented. We kind of do our own thing. I thought, you know, there's just this big, one happy, big, happy family back there. They're all kind of mingling with each other and talking to each other and getting to know each other. And maybe that's not necessarily There's one the green case. room. Just one. And everyone's in a waiting, right? So you're on one couch <laughs> as soon as the, the main or the... They're done, they go to their yeah. trailer. They're done, they go to their yeah. trailer. They're, it's kind of bizarre. on tour, I'm sure that she gets to have that more intimate time because they have that time when they're setting up between sets or before the show. Sure. Because they're going together. So they cross paths all the time, even though they are segmented into doing their pre-show prep and post-show. Her know, most recent up. album is Gifts from the Holy Ghost. Here's the title track. Oh, it's cracked. Oh, no, it's not. I'm sorry. Oops. That is not the title track. My. There we go. You fat fingered it. It's okay. I know. It's just. <laughs> Those meat cleavers. Makes sense. <laughs> Dumb board operators. Uh, just open up this wild turkey. So, yep. this group and I, we went and we took a bunch of. Big pour. Okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we, we took a bunch of Wild Turkey 101 bottles. You can buy it right off the shelf. We took a new barrel mm. and we essentially dumped all the wild turkey 101 into a willet it's the distillery willet barrel and we just aged it for six months we said let's see what it tastes like maybe we'll get a couple more proof points so this is wild turkey 101 and maybe it's 103 104 all right um, let's try it cheers, cheers. i thought that was going to burn a lot more and it's very smooth yeah, it's not bad. I actually like this a little more than the previous one. Yeah. It's got a little more flavor. That one was a little more cut and dry. I, like, it just went down, and it was very smooth. I think this is every bit of a three- to four-year-old product. And I, a lot of these guys put these extra finishes on them mm-hmm. uh, because it's so young. It's and they want to mask thing. They want to mask yeah. some of that. This wild turkey's pretty good. Yeah. I like it. That nice wild turkey. Have you kind of come down off your uh, off your girl crush there? No. No. It'll live on. <laughs> It'll live on. You you were so, I didn't look at you the whole time, but I saw you in in in, in the monitor and you just read the whole time. Yep. I was like, that's pretty cool. She's yep. really having a good time. And uh, I was so nervous before this. I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna look like an idiot in front of her, and it's gonna be so embarrassing that I'm such a fan girl. But I'm sure she encounters people that are actually kind of, you know, a little I think I did that in loopy. our interview with Never Tell. You did. I was geeking out a little bit. It's okay. Because I listen to them so much. So when you get an error, just that, oh, oh, oh there we go. That, that there's just abruptly, the yeah. Um, when you get a, uh, when you get an artist that you really listen to a lot. Yeah. On the podcast, or you get to meet them in person, it's kind of a surreal experience. Like when I get to meet some of these band, like when we met Daughtry. Remember we met Daughtry. He told me I looked great. He's I'll still shorter. Have her live it out. Yeah, he complimented her. A time. We're like the same height. Well, it would have been no. Shorter. He's shorter than you. He's okay. about two to three inches shorter. Okay, I'd probably go. He's probably like a rough five six. He's every bit a foot shorter than me. Mm. Every bit. <laughs> but he told me I look great, and uh, yeah. nobody can tell me otherwise. And you didn't care, and you were kind of fangirling out when we met Three Doors Down and that guitarist. You we're over that. Thought he, you're over that after one. At the, the time, you we thought over. he was kind of oh, yeah. hot, but yeah. Yeah, but now we're over. Why so, are you over that one? She's, she's moved on. I've moved on. Bigger and, and she's married. Things. She's married now. Well, bigger I and guess. better 
men to look at. <laughs> and if we had time, literally, if we had time, we'd, we'd talk about your vacation. Like, have you ever oh, seen God. talk about her cruise. Andy Beersack. Yeah. Because I was just here left all by myself to fend. You did fend, go to a concert, at least. I did, and God we talked, and we talked about that already. That'll come out. That'll come out um, after this episode. We're going to one in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nothing more. Oh, yeah. Crown Dubuque. the Empire. Thousand Below. We're going to Dubuque, Dubuque Iowa. Mm. Yep. Mm. Right next after, to Bushwood. And then after that, a week later, less than a week later, is Citizen Soldier smashing to pieces. It's going to be a great April. Yeah, it is. And we then get we to get to see Shine Dorothy down. right right at beginning of May. Shine Down at the end of April. And then Hogfest, beginning of May, up in Milwaukee. It's going to be a great 30 days. 35 days. I'm excited. I guess it's okay that we're back from vacation. <laughs> <laughs> so anything else? No. That was, we'll see you guys later. That truly was awesome. Hyper it was. Up. Hyper up. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye.